Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Brad Webb. This week, we're joined by Ms. Wendy Mack and Pastor Benny Edison as we continue our conversation about Dr. MLK and a legacy that he left. We can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Keep listening. All right. Hey, guys, I want to welcome you back today for another episode of uh, Real Talk. And, uh, man, we had such a great time with our conversation last week that we wanted to pick up and go a little bit deeper today. As you remember from our last episode, we came to you on Monday, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's holiday. And, uh, man, we just had a conversation with some younger people about the significance of Dr. King's life in their life. And today we want to go a little bit deeper with that. And I have some special guests here with us today. And, uh, we want to talk about that from a different set of lenses, uh, from some people who are in their fifties and in their sixties. And so with that dynamic, it will help us understand a total different perspective because you guys really live through a whole different, uh, paradigm in your time. So today we have Mr. Uh, pastor, pastor, forgive me, pastor Benny Edison, uh, tell us the name of your church again, brother. Comfort of Baptist Church here in Alexandria. And where is that located at? Uh, on Bolton Street in the 200 block of Bolton Avenue. Is, in, that, in, is that in the old uh, shopping center? No, it's across the street. It's inside the Bolton Street Community Center. We oh, were okay. presently, right. our present, our current, well, our past building was on Monroe Street, which was uh, damaged. We had to tear it down. So we we're in the process of purchasing a church on Chester Street. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Is that the uh, one right there by the school? Yes. The old church? Where uh, the Council on Aging Yes. Is. Well, that's a great location. Yes, it it's is. It's a great location. And we've been in that community about 10 years ministering and uh, doing several things in the community. Okay. Yes, sir. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. And then Wendy Mack. Wendy, tell us, tell us about a little bit about yourself. Hi, good afternoon. I'm Wendy Mack. I'm a member of Family of Grace Church. Um, just and the mother of the Mack ladies. Yeah, the <laughs> Mack clan. <laughs> the Mack clan. There you go. And uh, so got, thank you all so much for hanging out today. And, and last week, uh, this is the week we paid tribute to Dr. King. And man, I have uh, really just kind of become a student of his and studying a lot of his uh, writings and, and listening to to a lot of his speeches and, and, uh, man, I've just been so challenged by that. And, um, man, I, you know, I touched on in my sermon Sunday and we talked about this last week in our podcast, so I don't want to be redundant, but you know, boy, his vision in, in this speech, the, I have a dream speech that he gave at the, at the Washington mall there. I mean, it wasn't trying to, to go to a new America, but boy, he drew back on the foundational principles of the Declaration of Independence where, you know, it said all men are created equally. And he was like, I want to seat at that table. And the part that really grabbed me in the speech, um, you know, and, and we talked about last week was just where he said, man, I just long for the day. I have a dream that one day sons of former slaves and sons of former slave owners can sit down at the same table and, uh, well, I think he meant a whole lot more than just having a meal. You know, that's the, the dinner table, the uh, the table of prominence, the table of power, pe- table of prestige, uh, political table, uh, man, where we can all come together. And uh, so I am uh, 46 years of age, and so I grew up in a whole different uh, dichotomy of culture 
and uh, upbringing of that. I'm, uh, you know, than you guys did. So I just want to kind of jump in here. Uh, Pastor Benny, just tell us a little bit from your perspective. Uh, I think you told me earlier, if you don't mind me saying you're 62. No. And uh, so, man, you grew up on on the pre-side of it. I mean, on before you grew up in the segregated South and the segregated America. And, and then here comes Dr. King uh, with, with all that God was leading him to do. And just share us a little bit about from your perspective and significance of that in your life. Well, from a, a kid, as far as back as I can remember, uh, we it was kind of on the norm that on Saturdays you go everyone went downtown Alexandria and I can remember as a kid going to uh, the Crest building that's presently the Red Peace Foundation and in the back of the store as a kid they had water fountains and water fountains were segregated and and they had uh, white only and, and color mm-hmm. water fountains you know, and as a mischievous child, yeah, you want to, uh, curiosity going to want you to uh, understand what was the difference mm-hmm. because they both were water fountains, you know, and yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and your, 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 your nature has you want to do things such as Paul talked about that you shouldn't do. Yeah. And as a mischievous oh, on, Paul, yeah. you know, we, we would, we would <clears throat> drink out of the, the, the fountain that said white only. Okay, but yeah. you know, and so, and then I can also remember the movie theaters in Alexandria were mm. segregated, whereas if you went to the Dawn Theater downtown or the Paramount Theater on uh, Bolton Avenue, which I could have the, the two names backwards, but I don't think I do. You know, the if you went to the movie theater, uh, African-Americans had to go in the balcony you couldn't sit mm-hmm. in the uh, main floor. in the main floor, you know, with uh, with white Americans, and so, and then I can actually remember uh, the things happened when uh, Martin Luther King would kill in the, the riot. So let's stop right so, there before we go any further. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you definitely have that perspective, and then and then Dr. King comes. In. And so before before of his assassination, uh, would you just share a little bit about from your perspective, because you were young, I mean, you were a young boy then, um, to what that significant, what that meant to you to see someone on a platform saying what you were feeling on the inside, you know, before the tragic death of, of, of Dr. King. You know, just that significance to you and how that resonated with you as a young boy. Well, as a kid, you don't really think about such as now. Children don't really think about color. And, and children don't uh, know that they're different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, as a child, you don't know there's a difference. Okay, you might understand that there are certain things you can't do, you know, being a you know a, a black kid, you know mm-hmm. there were certain things you couldn't do, but to to really think that there was a significance at the, that young age, you know I can't really recall uh, having a feeling mm-hmm. or knowledge that 
you were different because like I said in 68 I was only 11 years old yeah you know uh so you know I didn't have knowledge enough as a child to really and understand I guess, I guess part of it too was in 68 you didn't have you didn't see it like it was a lot to hear right. the speech or see it it wasn't like it was on your news feed on right. your smart device right. so, oh, yeah that's a good perspective that right. it wasn't public like it is today miss wendy no. let's let you jump in here before we go any further but because you tell me where you grew up my father Florida, correct was in the military oh, so you you were everywhere during most of this time i like i was in california and then when king died i was in um south carolina Okay. But like in uh, California, I didn't know I was black. Yeah, yeah. I was a kid, you know, first, second grade. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't treated any different. Mm-hmm. And um, when I realized that I was different was when I was in South Carolina in the mm-hmm. South. Mm-hmm. And and one of the kids called me a nigger, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what that was. Yeah. And I had to go home and ask my mom. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. you do. You come to this world innocent. It's what you learn yeah. from folks around you. Mm-hmm. So, and then you know, when the reason why we came to the South is because my dad got um, stationed overseas, remote tour so he couldn't take us so we stayed where my grandmother was for the time he was gone and during that time they were desegregating schools mm. so then here I go you right know, in the middle of it right in the middle of it mm. going to this school that was desegregated for the first time mm. and that's when I like I said I realized I was black I was different because I was the only one so, in certain classes yeah yeah, so let's talk about the the um, take us back in time to the late '60s, just what that was like. So here's Dr. King. You know they're leading these marches. You know the the things all that he did, the events surrounding his life. Uh, how would you find out about that? I mean, I know you had your evening news with Walter Cronkite and stuff, but like, how would what and, was the conversation? Even though you were kids. What was the dialogue like in your community? I can remember um, at my aunt's house, we would go. And at that time, the big push was for all, you know, when you came of age to be registered with the AACP, NACP. And they would do that. And they would have meetings at church Mm -hmm. either Wednesday nights or right after church Sunday, everything that they were involved to find out what was going on was led through the church. Okay. And that's a lot different than today seemed like, but everything that was going on, you know, as far as, um, your next step mm-hmm. and all, I remember they had a big meeting the night that he did was assassinated. Uh-huh. Everything came to the church. Everybody came to the church and then, you know, you were directed what from to there. do next. Pastor, what about from your perspective? Just a conversation, dialogue, and, you know, you were laughing, but... And I can't remember a lot of uh, dialogue because, like you said, there was news feed from NBC showing uh, different aspects of Martin Luther King's life. And 
and you know, and and back then TV wasn't even color. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so you're yeah, looking black at and black and white television, yeah. and you know, and you're seeing, uh, you know, up. I can remember, you can you start seeing where they were having riots, and uh, and you start seeing, you know, people. Uh, uh, it was just amazing to be able to see that on television, and it was real time things happening, you know. Uh, that wasn't affecting central Louisiana and maybe in the state of Louisiana, but things were happening, you know, around the nation. And so as you, as, as I got older and then you, central Louisiana became where schools had to be segregated. Uh And uh, my sister was one of the first uh, African American kids to attend Louisiana Tech, and so that had to be like in '68. Yeah. Okay. And 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 you saw all this stuff going on around the nation. Like I said, the innocence of a child mm-hmm. uh, doesn't allow you to get the full effect of what was going on. Okay. But in but as I grew a couple years older. And begin to uh, understand, you know, what racism was and what being segregated was. Uh, you know, it 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 often angered you, knowing that, uh, you know, we were all supposed to be equal. Mm-hmm. You know, Martin Luther King brought to the forefront of everybody's mind, okay, that that they that we did have equal rights, okay? And that if you were being treated any different because of the color of your skin, okay, that it was uh, something that instantly, as a young boy and as a teenage boy, it was offensive, you know, because you were being treated different Mm -hmm. just because of the color of your yeah. skin. Yeah. It has nothing to do with your intelligence or anything else. Yeah. And so, uh, and I can, I mean, I've just, as a teen, or older teenager, traveling across the South, where then, away from Alexandria, you were literally being told to, that you couldn't eat in a restaurant yeah, yeah. because they didn't serve colored people. So I know like that's a good perspective because you you mentioned earlier, you know, you remember seeing these segregated things that you went through. Right. But it had to have a significant impact on your life when all of a sudden, you know, like you said, boy, I just want to go drink out of that, that fountain, you know. I love that Paulinian passage that you use for I right. find myself doing the things I don't want to do and not doing the things I should be doing. But uh, it had to resonate significant though when somebody was given a voice to <clears throat> what you were already feeling on the inside, even though you were a child. You know, boy, you drill down on the part that has has captured me the most about Dr. King's life, and I'd like for us to talk a little bit about it. You know, in his speech, he literally says, <clears throat> "It is a dream deeply rooted in this American dream that I have," and. The significance of Dr. King's life to me, and I 
you know, don't really have authority to speak on it other than from a student of it is what he was trying to accomplish was that everyone would be equal, which was not a new thought, you know, and it, boy, is, is as wrong as a lot of our founding fathers were over the issue of slavery. You know, he's saying you still wrote it down, mm. you know, but you wrote down something that you really wouldn't meaning, but nevertheless, you know, he says, I have a dream that one day the nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. That we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equally. And that's when he goes into the part of the speech about the sons of former slaves and uh, sons of former slave owners coming together. And so how do we as leaders, you're a pastor, I'm a pastor, you know, how do we as the, the matriarchs of our families and communities, how do we get our people back to the real significance of what Dr. King was saying because he, to me, he was just saying, give me a seat at the table that I rightly deserve, regardless of the color of my skin. And that's kind of what you were saying. But how do we get back to that? It's like, yes, there's a lot. It's like, how do you not, how do you learn to get the fish and spit out the bones? You know, how do you learn the old cliche not to throw the baby out with the bath water? Mm-hmm. You know, so, of course, I might get in trouble for that cliche today. <laughs> But anyway, you know, it's like it seems like we are running in opposite directions now and trying to create a new way when I think he was given gave his life Dr. King did for the the American dream basically was I want that. Is that what your interpretation is or do y'all have a different interpretation of that? You have a completely different perspective from me. What's this? Well, I feel I jump in here, Wendy. You got two preachers, so I'm yeah. go ahead. I'm I feel that it's a teachable moment. Thank you. Every time the opportunity arises to teach people that we are all equal, equal. It's through education because children, generation after generation only know what they're taught okay children don't know racism children don't know they're different okay so you have to be taught from a child that everybody's equal Uh okay and so we've we've only evolved into a point in time that the Bible is only fulfilling itself, okay, instead of things getting better, okay? Mm-hmm. Jesus told us they would get worse. Correct, okay? correct. And it would only be a sign of the times that we're living in, mm-hmm. okay? And so it constantly takes uh, preachers like me and you to educate people through the word of God, because you have to know that during Martin Luther King's life, that a lot of the segregation that was being held highly was endorsed by preachers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. And he addressed them from a jail cell. Okay. Right. That they should have been the front runners of 
trying to get the government to uphold what the government wrote in the Constitution. Okay, so Martin Luther King was only telling them that you wrote it, live up to it. Right, right. Okay, see, we're not asking for something different mm. or something more. All we're doing is asking you to live up to what, to you, what said. you said. Well, that's a good perspective. Okay? And and now we have institutional racism mm-hmm. yeah. that is just a higher level. Mm-hmm. Okay? And until uh, men and women of God take the boldness mm-hmm. to speak against what's wrong, okay, then that's when things would change because people are always searching for the right thing to do. But the moment you get someone that's hell and high steam mm-hmm. saying the wrong thing, mm-hmm. okay, then you get masses of people following the wrong information. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I but mean, now that and that's the interesting part because that cuts both ways. Yes, you know we've got people leading charges that are causing great division right. in our nation right. from all camps. Right. And I wrote down right here for us to discuss that very thing, the void of leadership, because I believe there is a, a, a significant void in leadership today, you know? And so, Hey, Miss Wendy, what are your thoughts on that? Boy, he just put down a lot. I mean, what, what would be your, <laughs> he your feedback put down on a that? very lot. Um, my feedback, is, I agree with mostly what you're saying. And it seems like just like what you tell us every Sunday, pastor, that we are the star on the hill. We are the sit, you know, the light of the city. It starts with us. You know, it, everything Martin Luther King did, it went around. He went through God's word and he spread it out throughout. Everything was organized through the church with the prayer and all. Today we just get out there and do it and it's like, so what? You know, it's all me, 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 what I can get from it. But I think if we uh as a whole, you know, kind of look back on what he did and he did it in a nonviolent way. It could help us today. It wasn't just about, you know, uh, he also involved economic things in it. You know, he wanted everyone to be on a right pay scale, you know, doing all the same job. So um, if we just look back a little bit and, and, and see what was done. I think we could move it forward, but we have to do it together, not as separate. Absolutely. And man, I'm, a, I'm, I'm thankful for pastor Bryant that connected us today. And cause I believe that's what we need is a whole lot more of, mm-hmm. um, pastors coming together. Cause you're right, Wendy, it was led from the church. You know, they went, you talked a lot about that at the beginning a hard day for us as a staff and a church family. <clears throat> Pastor Benny was after the Alton Sterling shooting um, because um, in most churches, um, when they go through a crisis that are not multidimensional and not just ethnicity, but culture and economics and stuff, we tend to see it from our perspective 
But in Family of Grace, because we are multidimensional in culture and ethnicity and generation and ethnicity, when a difficult situation like that comes in, it makes it really hard to lead through it because you can't run back to your corner. You got to stand out on the front line. And I remember the first time this really grabbed me was that night. I was out of town and I called all, all of our staff was scattered. I called everybody in for a meeting and we had a long night and we met and we met and Ashley, your daughter, uh, you know, that's when we were talking about black lives matters and stuff. And, and I remember I heard the heartbreak in her life because it was like everything that was going on. It was like so many people are looking for someone to be the leader. And as one of my mentors told me, he said, boy, it's a hard day when you realize you're, your, your hero has clay feet and that they're really human, you know? And so I believe we're at a place, you know, Dr. King led that from the church. The church was part of that movement. He was calling those pastors, uh, out from that jail cell, um, in those letters that he wrote saying, meet me out here. You know, we're not asking for something new today. I think one of the reasons, how can we take the significance of what we have learned from Dr. King's life and apply that to where we are today to lead forward? Maybe my perception is wrong because it, it comes from where I live, but it seems like to me, we're looking for something new, you know, when it doesn't get much more simpler than this, that if we love the Lord, our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as itself. You know, that's a simple message that is in the essence of the Declaration of Independence and was in the heart of his speech. We hold these truths self-evident. They were all equal, you know. So how can we now lead from that? I think think there needs to be a new awareness. You know, I asked last week at the end of our podcast for – for uh, people to listen to the speech again, get your family, listen to the speech again, listen, read more of his writings. Because as you were saying, Wendy, it wasn't just, it wasn't violence. It was, it was a nonviolent event. The the events that he was leading that was met with violence many times. He is so violent that it took his life. Um, So how do we as leaders and pastors, matriarchs of our families, re-educate our people again on the significance of history? Well, personally, I'm consistently saying that things are in the condition that they're in because in some pride they might take offense to what I'm about to say, but the church has failed the community. And Absolutely. Not educating people about how what God says mm. and letting the word of God be the final say and at every point. Because in a community, if education and knowledge is power, and when you have the word of God as the foundation of what you believe and what you act on, then it causes things like 
the color of your skin to be secondary. Mm-hmm. Okay, as as a as a not as a pastor, but as a believer, my job and is to bring other people to Jesus, not as a pastor, mm-hmm. but as a mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to that, I'm not trying to just lead black people to mm-hmm. Jesus. I'm trying to lead people, people. to Jesus, yeah. okay? Because there's no difference in the eyesight of God. That's correct. Okay, you know, but the most segregated hour mm-hmm. in the United States is from 8 to 12 yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah, correct. Okay, and I applaud you for having a multicultural church, okay? Yeah, and and that breaks the barriers, mm-hmm. okay, of when people see that you do it, mm-hmm. other preachers are likely to say, then I can do the same thing, mm-hmm. okay, because we all going to have to give an account of what we do right, here right. in the earth. And, and, and Jesus said, you either gathering mm-hmm. or scattering. Scattering, yeah. Okay, and what has taken place, I believe, is that uh, the message and that God gave Dr. King has gotten lost in material stuff. Yeah. Mm. Okay, because you know some people instead of. we trying to bring the masses up. Okay. That's what his message was to bring everybody up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not just socially, but financially and, and spiritually. But uh, we've lost the essence of America coming up together. Okay. That's how come, you know, we have this. Uh, very, very small group of the extremely wealthy, okay? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, just like in the days of Jesus, okay, there are people that are exceptionally poor mm-hmm. in the richest nation in America. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the plan of God, mm-hmm. okay? And it, and, it, and, it, and it stems from we haven't fully come to where Dr. King was talking about us arriving. Mm-hmm. We've come a long way. Okay. And the message has gotten lost. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. The message has gotten lost. And the, I'll tell you something else that's got lost is personal responsibility. True. You know, because Dr. King wasn't saying, I have a dream that one day we're just all going to be equal. Like in in finances and and in all of that stuff, while he hoped that one day people could excel and have the opportunity for everybody to be financially successful, but it wasn't like that's going to happen because a government's going to decree it, you know, and 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 share it and spread it. But it was that I have a dream that the African American can can have the education, can get the same education, can have the same opportunities. Mm-hmm to be able to excel and advance at the same degree, you know? And so, uh, 
boy, you have, there's no better way to put it than we've lost the message. You know, and I, boy, I was reminded of that visual image of the Taj Mahal. You know, the Taj Mahal, one of the seven wonders of the world, was built as a as a mausoleum for his queen when she died. And it's, he got so preoccupied with the mausoleum that became so majestic. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. But then he lost the body. You know, oh. he lost her in the process of it. You know, and so, man, it seems like, you know, you guys, you, you, both of you lived during that time, Wendy, you shared that you were in the desegregation of schools and you were too. And you remember the South pre Dr. Martin Luther King and, and the segregated South. So, well, we made a lot of progress there, but how do it feels like we're losing ground, you know? And so we have to, as the pastors and people of our church rise up and say, we're not going to give up the ground that we've already conquered. But we're gonna move forward and fight for that victory that 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 was so precious. He gave his life for it, you know. Wendy, what are your thoughts on that? It's a lot. Huh? It's a lot, and it goes back to education. Keeping, don't forget where you came from, but where you going, and um, you know, make sure. Did you talk? like to the younger generation, mm-hmm. that they know the struggle. The struggle is real. I mean, you know, they take so light about voting. Oh, no, I'm not registered to vote, but they're the first ones to complain when something goes on. And we people fought and died for that right yeah. to vote. Something so simple. But, you know, we got to keep that up. Yeah. You know, I, it would be cool to do a man-on-the-street interview type deal where you went with several quotes and say, did Dr. King say this in his speech, you know, and see if they even know it. Most of them would probably not know that in his speech, he said, I want what was decreed from me originally. He, that's the craziest thing. People think he was coming up saying, we want something else. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. He was saying, I don't have a new America. I want what every American has. He realized the value of the American dream and saw the success of it and said, we no longer want to be penalized for that, right. you know? So, man, that's a, a great point. And so, man, I want to issue a challenge that, um, if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast, would you, would you find somebody and have a conversation about it personally? You know, like, Ask them, what is the significance of Dr. King in your life? What is the significance of Dr. King in my life? You know, and uh, begin to understand where people are coming from and, and, and even where people may even be missing the whole point of view. You know, it seems like there's a movement in our nation to try to erase the bad things from American history. And so to erase the bad things means you'd have to erase what he was fighting for. If it wasn't bad, he wouldn't have been at that Washington Mall that day on that monument Mm -hmm. declaring that. You know, he wouldn't have been marching across the bridge. He wouldn't have been doing all those things. He wouldn't have been in jail, you know, writing those letters. And so I think that's one of the things that we could start is really trying to teach our younger kids in our churches. uh, You can't not address the bad stuff of our past because... In God's providence, he uses the bad to bring about glory for the future. Right. You know, they, we were, in fact, 
we were talking about this in our sermon prep this morning about how some people accomplish more with their death than they even do with their, their life. life. Yeah. You know, and uh, man, Dr. King was fighting the good fight of faith. And you mentioned at the beginning of our interview, and I asked you to pause right there for one moment, but I'd like to pick that back up because uh, you talked about the day he the day he was shot, you know, and man, it it let's just have a little conversation about that. You guys lived through that, you experienced that. Talk to me about the significance of that in your life and your family on that day. Well, I remember being in the living room at my aunt's house watching that when it came across that he had died, that he had been assassinated. And then the phone start ringing and they had an emergency meeting at the church that night about, you know, what to expect or whatever. The next day I went to school. And like I said, this first year of this school being segregated, they had two doors and the two white boys were on the door. One said, Walk through this door if you're a nigger lover. Walk through this door if you're glad Martin Luther King is dead. Wow. I stood in the middle, and the teacher had to come get me. Mm. I thought I wouldn't go through neither one of those doors. I mean, that's just... Right, right. uh, It was a rude awakening. Wow. That's a challenge. Mm -hmm. How about you, Pastor? Well, I, I can remember that you know watching the news that it seemed because you know like I said as a child you watch adults and it seemed like adults felt at that moment that the work that was being done to bring about change because at every level of Dr. King's life the things that were changing were televised and it was news and so it seemed like a lot of adults felt as though that hope was gone because of the death of Dr. King so it 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 impacted neighborhoods and and and, and the way people felt tremendously and then you'll then you watching the, the, the five o'clock news and you see what took place around the United States based on his death yeah you know, and and you know you, you don't understand all was taking place as a child you know but as you get older and you're looking at a generation of people or children that are taking things for granted mm. now okay like it's always been like this mm. oh, like i'll say could, that you know that that and that yeah but, wow. but because of the work and the, the bringing life. the lives bringing the light to the darkness of what the government was allowing okay uh, that light gave people the opportunities that we have today, you know. And and now you know children act as though it's always been like this. And you talk to certain uh, children of different age groups, and they say, "Well, uh, it's not like that anymore," you know. But you have to be 
a victim of a burglary to know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. yeah, you have to yeah. be you yeah. have to be the victim of your car being stolen to know what it feels like. You have to be a victim of the color of your skin causing you to be denied a natural right to know what it feel like. Okay, so if you don't know what it feels like, okay, then you have you have no knowledge of what people went through. Okay. Uh, and so it still takes educating people that regardless of what happens, that God, the same God that calls Martin Luther King to speak out against what was going on, God knew what would be going on in 2020. Mm -hmm. Okay. In 60, in the sixties, he knew what was going on. He still knows what's going on. Okay. And he's still in charge. Okay. It's just that we have to do our part. Okay. As believers, okay, we can't expect the, 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 the government to do it, the city government to do it. We have to, as Christians, we have to be the salt mm -hmm. of the mm -hmm. earth because Amen. without the light of God's word, okay, then uh, people, are, you know, because racism is a is a two way street. You know, they yeah. got they got yeah. racist black people just like they have racist white people. Yeah. Okay, but that was a people that still sit in darkness, mm -hmm. and the light of the gospel hadn't shined in their hearts. That's what Paul said. That's what Paul said. Absolutely. Yes. Well said, Pastor. Well said. Well, guys, thank y'all so much for coming in and sharing and uh, and taking time out of your work schedule today to be here. And, uh, man, I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, hopefully we can have more and, uh, man, raise the awareness to fulfill that vision, that dream. Uh, it, it, his dream did not stop with desegregation. No. That was only the beginning of it, you know. No. And, uh, man, I was uh, – listening the other day to an interview for one of his nieces, you know, and we just got to carry that forward, carry that forth, you know, and don't let people be so small right. as to keep us one dimensional, right. but right. to really multiply out and, and, and be what God's calling us to be right, right where we are. So it's great to be here guys, as you're out there, uh, doing life, whether you're, no matter what your occupation may be, no matter where you go to church, I encourage you to challenge people to think beyond the easy applause lines, the cheap posting on social media timelines, and actually have some dialogue and conversations about how can we imply and impart the truths of the history to our children so that they will appreciate it and that they won't repeat it. Cause if you're not careful, you'll repeat history if you try to ignore it. That's right. And so, uh, man, I just encourage you, let's go deeper. Central Louisiana. We have a great opportunity to really do some interesting things for the glory of God. And so, man, when you're out there working hard and you're hustling every day, trying to put food on the table and provide for your children, walk with humility Stay humble 
And then in due season, God will lift you up and help prosper you in every step of the way. So, Amen. Pastor, thank you for taking time today, Miss Wendy. Thank, thank you, you so much. And uh, appreciate you believing in, in all that God is doing in Central Louisiana. So we'll see you next time on Real Talk with Brad Webb. All right, everyone, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode and it blessed you dearly. We will chat again soon. Bye.